0: When it comes to investing, retirement, and legacy planning, the decisions you make today can greatly impact the quality of life for both you and your loved ones tomorrow. What you need is straight, unbiased information on the most important issues you'll face when planning for your financial future. Good news. you found the Growing Your Wealth radio show with Brian Evans. Brian is the founder of Madrona Financial Services, and with his background as a CPA, he brings a unique perspective to the investment and financial planning world. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans.
1: Thank you so much, and welcome to Growing Your Wealth, a radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to invest better, live better, retire better, and give better. My name's Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from the expert Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. How you doing today, Brian?
2: Doing great, thanks, Jeff.
1: Always glad to hear that. Hope our listeners are doing well today, too. Another great show lined up for our listeners today, Brian. We're gonna be talking about the market. Also, we'll touch on diversification We'll talk a little bit about the economy and also the effects of tax proposals in the new administration, but I want to start with the market, Brian. Often people say the market is up, the market is down, or the market is 10% or the market did 10% last year. So what exactly is the market? What are they talking about?
2: Yeah, the market, uh, that's a great question because there's so many different things that we can invest in. So there really isn't the market because if you look at the biggest asset class out there it's bonds, so nobody, when they're talking about the market, is really probably talking about bonds. However, maybe you should be because that's probably a big component of your investments, even if you don't even know it. Uh, your annuities might be tied to bonds. You're, you're certainly have bond portfolios within your portfolio. Bonds can be a, a significant part of a pension calculation and so forth. So you know b- the bond area, and you know you can break that area into so many. You got government bonds and corporate bonds, municipal bonds, tax-free, tax free tax. You got long term and short term bonds. You have different credit qualities. Uh, You have junk bonds, high quality bonds. They don't pay as much. You got all these different kinds of bonds out there convertibles, preferreds. I mean, there's so many ways to buy bonds. Same thing with the stock market. You got U.S., foreign, large cap, mid cap, small cap, emerging markets. And then you got your sectors within all of those. So there's so many areas there. Another area of the market, in my view, is real estate. I mean, you look around, there's a lot of real estate in this country, and 40% of it is investment real estate. So there's another huge area. There's your small businesses. I mean, how many millions of businesses are out there? That's another investment class. That might be part of your market, your asset allocation. So really a uh, market asset allocation, they kind of go hand in hand. But uh, when you're talking about the market, you have to be careful about, you know, you might be just talking about one very small sliver or subset of um, the global market.
1: I think most people, when they talk about the market, though, they're confusing it with just the stock market. But if I'm hearing you correctly, Directly. Again, you talked about real estate. You talked about bonds. Stocks is just one part of the market.
2: Yeah, that's right. And if you look at your own portfolio, I'm guessing if you're listening to me right now and you think about it and you go, you know, I'm not in... Just the Dow. Or I'm not in just the S&P 500. I've got lots of different things. I, I own a business. I have a rental house. I have my principal residence. I have, you know, all kinds of different, I have annuities. I have, you know, a diversified portfolio. I've got different things. So yeah, when we talk about the market, you know, you might be looking at your stuff and go, you know, only 20% of my money's in the market or a market. And so a stock market, I, I think, I guess we're truncating it to is the mm-hmm. market might, in your mind, being the part of your portfolio that's in the, stock market. But even amongst the stock market, there's so many different variables and places you could be. Sectors you could be U.S., foreign, again, small cap, mid cap, small cap, large cap, they, they kind of go hand in hand more than most, but certainly sectors don't. They're, you know, If you have a sector rotation strategy where you're overweighting or underweighting certain sectors, you're going to have very different results than your neighbor who might be doing a completely different uh, strategy.
1: Brian, you talked about bonds being part of the market. Is it true that more money is invested in bonds than all stocks combined?
2: Yeah, that – when I learned that the first time, that just kind of blew me away. Because you, if you sold every publicly traded company there is in the world and took that pile of money and made a mountain out of it, and then you did the same thing with the bonds, Mount Bond would be much bigger <laughs> than Mount Stock. <laughs> and that blows me away because bonds are debt instruments. Mm-hmm. They are loans. A bond is a loan to somebody. It's a loan to a government, a loan to a corporation, a loan to a municipality. It's a loan. They're bond with you is to repay that loan with interest. Now they want to pay the lowest interest rate possible, but if they have a low rating, like we're not sure if you're going to be able to pay this someday, you're a triple B or a C rated note. You're now a junk bond and you have to pay a higher rate to attract somebody to invest in you. So you might say, well, you know, I, yeah, I'm a kind of a new corporation, or I'm a city that's kind of struggling, and I want to borrow some money. I want to pay two percent, like the government does, or one percent, and people laugh at you. You, know, what, will you. Will you buy my bond if I give you four? And no, of course not. Well, how about eight? Uh, okay, if you give me 8%, I, I'll take that risk. And so that's that's how bonds are priced. They're priced uh, as to what it takes to entice somebody to lend the money to you. And then again, the bond payer, uh, the people that receive the money are going to pay interest on that at that rate for the term of that bond. So that's, that's the bond market. It's just a promise to repay. And yeah, it's bigger than the stock market. So there's more money. That's just crazy to me. There's more money borrowed than there is in equity in all all the publicly traded companies in the world.
1: We're talking about the market here with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Brian, with all that's been said about the market, I mean, the market goes up, it goes down. You have the opportunity to make some pretty decent gains in the market, but you also have the opportunity to take some losses. All that said, why would someone not want to
2: be in the market? Yeah. So the market, stock market, we will call it equities, they do two things really well. They have the potential of growth. So generally over long term, if you have some diversification, you have done quite well if your timing wasn't terrible. I mean, you know, you could have bought at the height of the market and went through a crash and then you took money out or something like that. But generally speaking, long term results of the stock market have been very good. So potential for growth and liquidity are very good with stock market on the flip side, there's two other things I want as an investor. If I can get it, I want security and I want cash flow very often. Now, the stock market doesn't do security and cash flow very well. It does potential growth and liquidity really well. So if you come to me and you say, well, you know, during my 40s, I was all about growth. And so I was all in the market and real estate and my business. Well, now I'm 65. I don't want to worry as much. I If I don't screw it up, I'm going to be fine. And I did live through some crashes. Yeah, was, but potential for growth is there with the market, but so is a potential for a crash. I remember 1987. I remember 2001 through 2003. I remember 2008. I remember COVID. I don't want to take that kind of chance with my portfolio at my age anymore. So I want to lower the percentage of my portfolio designed for potential growth and and increase the percentage that is allocated to secure investments and investments that provide lifetime cash flow. And so I want to make an adjustment. So that's a reason why somebody with a all-stock portfolio might come to us and say, all right, in retirement, I need a different plan. I like the stock market, but I don't like it so much where I want 100% in there. Maybe I want 60%. Maybe I want 40%. And I want the rest to provide cash flow and security, which the stock market can't. So now I got to look at at real estate. Now I want to look at annuities. Now I want to look at other things to supplement the growth part of my portfolio, which is the stock market part.
1: So growth and liquidity, those are the upsides, those are the positives with the market, and then security cash flow may be negatives. And I would imagine that it all depends upon your risk tolerance as well. Do you take that into consideration, someone's risk tolerance as to how much money they should have in the market and in more particular circumstances, how much they should have in each sector of
2: the market? Absolutely. So, you know, when we do our questionnaires for people, we ask them a series of questions, just, you know, scale of one to 10. How much are you concerned about something? Stock market crash or running out of money or cash flow in retirement, whatever the the question is, that gives us a general sense going in. But the beautiful thing about uh, investment, if you're with an investment advisor that actually has access to everything, insurance, you know, life insurance as an investment, annuities, stock market, bonds, real estate, Delaware statutory trust, all the different areas that are out there like we do then you can't it's not an all or nothing you don't have to choose one thing well i i like both i like growth and i like cash flow and i like security but i had to pick one right no you have all of them yeah I would love I, my favorite portfolios are when I do the asset allocation pie chart and I see you know probably the biggest piece of pie is often equities but then I, I got some dSTs and and private non-traded reITs and I've got fixed index annuity with increasing lifetime cash flow and I've got a premium finance fixed index universal life for tax-free cash flow in retirement, and retirement I've got I've got all these different sectors within the stock market portfolio that's a beautiful mix now it's just a matter of you know if you're a little more risky, your piece of the pie on the stock market is going to be bigger. If you're less risky, it's just going to be smaller. So now it's just a matter of fine tuning with the client to get it just right for them.
1: As you get older, Brian, is it always a rule that you should take less risk going into retirement or, you know, when you're actually retired? I mean, should you have less money in the market?
2: Well, that's a great question because I love it when it, when it's, there's always exceptions to the rule. I guess I want to say here is generally speaking. Yeah. I would say that most people want to take less risk as they age, but a funny thing happens when you get to a certain dollar amount in your portfolio and I'll have people that have been very successful say, you know, I can take lots of risk because I can lose money and I'm fine no matter what. I've got all kinds of money in all different different areas and I got a lot of it, more than I'll ever spend. I don't need to play it safe. I'm gonna to continue to be aggressive. I'm like well, you know, that makes sense. I remember I had a ninety nine year old client and he was I said, Well do you wanna be more conservative? And he says, Why would I do that? I'm not gonna spend any of this money. This is for the next generation or or my grandkids and I want them to be more aggressive. They're gonna inherit this and so I don't I don't care. I don't need to be Protecting, I got six million dollars. I want to keep it in the market. I'm like, great, okay. So sometimes, no. The answer is no. That you don't have to be more conservative as you age. But you know, for the general rule is that most people get to, as they age want to have more security and cash flow. There, you know, I always call it the uh, "Don't be the richest person in the graveyard" syndrome. Yeah, you can grow, grow, grow to the day you die and die with a lot of money. Great. Or you can focus more on your quality of life reducing your stress, increasing your cash flow so you can have a better lifestyle in your retirement years.
1: Brian, because the market ebbs and flows, it's up, it is down, does it require more attention, I mean more maintenance to make investments in the market really work over the long term?
2: There is an incredible amount of time and and effort that we put in, to analyzing all the options. There are so many options out there. We look at so many things we don't ultimately invest in. And so there there is a lot to that, you know. and that's why we have a job, essentially. I mean, certainly our financial planning uh, firm is way more about which investments to pick. There's some art to that, of course, but really it's communication as to how much we have in different areas is more important than whether I buy the Fidelity Growth Fund or the Vanguard Growth Fund or the S&P 500. I'm, they're gonna do about the same. It's more important that I have the right percentage in the stock market relative to what you want, your risk tolerance, and then do the financial planning around that, you know, for, for estate planning and, and legacy planning, and income tax planning and business succession, all these other things certainly play into proper financial planning. But, uh, yeah, so it all, it all works together, but there is a lot of research uh, we put in into trying to do the best we can with our asset allocation, given how much we, we, uh, want to invest in each different area.
1: Would you say that an investment in the market should be a long-term investment? What I mean by that is there are people who sit and, you know, every day they'll buy stock, they'll sell stock, they may buy other types of equities. If you're going to be going into the market, should you be committed to going into this market for, let's say, 10 years versus doing it for a day
2: yeah I'm glad you asked that we actually put a <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this we kind of have a trick question in our questionnaires uh, how long do you plan to stay invested and if they say under three years they we say well this isn't going to work out now for us because investing should be long term and if you're gonna maybe jump ship in, a, in six months you know if you don't feel good about it well, it's probably not a good fit. And I'm not going to say you should or shouldn't be in and out of the market. If you want to be a, a client of, of our firm, we're going to be in the market. We're going to adjust at the beginning to figure out how much is going to be there. And we'll make adjustments along the way. But we're not going to trade daily and, and watch it every every minute and buy and sell. If you want to do that, that's great. Do it on your own or find somebody that does that for a living. That's not what we do. We're big picture planners, lifetime planners. Uh, again, estate, legacy, income tax, business succession, real estate, all that stuff integrated with the investments themselves. So yeah, we, I mean, we put time into that. We're, I'm not going to be trading on anybody's account on a daily basis.
1: You're listening to Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. We're talking about the market here on Growing Your Wealth. If you have at least $500,000 or more to invest and you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, someone who does understand the market, contact Madrona Financial Services to get your complimentary no-cost, no-obligation plan. Call 844-MADRONA, or you can request it online by visiting madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. Time for a break here on Growing Your Wealth. We'll be right back with more of our show after
2: this. Gaining inside access or information is always a treat, isn't it? We feel special, like a VIP Whether it's the lives of Hollywood stars, a backstage concert experience, behind-the-scenes looks at our favorite authors or film directors, we like learning more. It's nice to feel special and important. Hi, I'm Brian Evans, owner of Madrona Financial Services, and I'm here today to bring you inside retirement with my latest book. You can get your complimentary copy today by calling 844-MADRONA or by downloading it on our website at madronafinancial.com. Our three-volume Inside Retirement Investing book series takes you behind the scenes of the basics of retirement investing, guides you through guaranteed income opportunities, and focuses on the best strategies for high-net-worth investors. Don't wait. Your retirement future deserves this inside information. We want you to feel like a VIP at Madrona Financial. Call 844-MADRONA or visit us online at madronafinancial.com to get your complimentary Inside Retirement Investing
1: book series. If taxes are keeping you from selling your highly appreciated income property. Madrona Financial Services has an exciting offer for commercial real estate owners. We have a team that's solely dedicated to helping real estate investors defer the taxes on the sale of their highly appreciated income property with a Delaware Statutory Trust. A DST qualifies as a 1031 like-kind exchange, so you can potentially defer your gains and reinvest them in income-producing commercial properties. And best of all, you can invest in a DST without any of the hassles or responsibilities of being a landlord or property manager when you work with madrona financial services you'll be working with a team of cpas and investment advisors with extensive dst experience now you have the freedom to sell your highly appreciated income property still enjoy the benefits of investing in real estate and potentially defer the taxes on your income property with a 1031 exchange learn more
0: at 844 madrona
1: or visit us at madrona
2: 1031.com
0: now back to growing your wealth with brian evans Welcome back to the show.
2: I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about diversification.
1: And Brian, we have all been told that we need to be diversified. Do not put all of your eggs in one basket. But what exactly does that mean? So we'll discuss the various primary asset classes in this particular discussion. So first of all, Brian, what is a general definition in financial terms of diversification?
2: Yeah, I would say the actual product of diversification generally for most advisory firms across the country that I have witnessed is a 60-40 split between stocks and bonds or 40-60 between stocks and bonds. So if I look at, you know, if somebody says, oh yeah, I'm with one of the places that's in every strip mall and, you know, I have a diversified portfolio. I go, well, I already know what you're in. They go, what do you mean? You know, I haven't even showed it to you. Well, it's cookie cutter approach. Most advisors, 60-40 stocks and bonds. And so when you start breaking that down though, well, Is there anything other than stocks and bonds? Well, yeah, there's a lot of things you're not diversified into with that mix. And then another question I often have is, why would I be in bonds going forward? And that's a very good question. (laughs) You might want to find some bond substitutes. So when we talk about diversification, there's many levels of it. There's the, the big picture diversification between all the major asset classes. And then once you start breaking down a particular asset class, for instance, let's say real estate you might say, you own real estate. And I say, well, are you diversified? And they go, what do you mean? I say, well, do you have single family rentals, industrial parks, hotels, self-storage, net lease properties? What kind of real estate do you have? Oh yeah, I guess there's a lot of different kinds. Exactly. So when I'm talking about diversification, it can be very granular uh, in a particular area. Even with like technology, within technology shares, you could have semiconductors, software, hardware. You know, there's there's all kinds of subsectors and so forth. When we talk about diversification, but from a big picture, I'm really talking about the difference between people that come to me with not that diversified portfolios, really, when they think they are, and some of the options that might be out there. You
1: told me the story of a gentleman who came to you once, and you asked ask him if he was diversified and he said yes and he began naming his diversified products but they were all within the same category.
2: Yeah, he was naming all the different components of a computer. <laughs> he was <laughs> I own Dell and I own IBM and I own Microsoft and I own Intel and he went on and on and on. I said you just named all the components of my computer and and that to me isn't really diversification. I mean, you you're diversified within a computer. <laughs> But that was about yeah. it. So yeah, that, that is not what I would term diversification. Diversification can also come around. Let's say that you know, you're know you in the stock market. Stock markets, as we just talked about in the last segment, are good at growth and liquidity, potentially good at growth, or they can be very volatile. But uh, what about diversifying into other asset classes that aren't focused on growth and liquidity they're focused on cash flow for life they're focused on tax free income they're focused on safety security so you can't lose your principal what about those kinds of things? What if you diversify into that? So now you're diversifying outside of stocks and bonds into areas such as real estate or your business or annuities that can do other things for you that stock market alone cannot.
1: So if I'm hearing this correctly, there are a lot of benefits to being diversified, not having all your eggs into one basket. But let me ask you what might be a silly question. Why would someone not want to be diversified?
2: Yeah, there's an exception to every rule. And there's a pro and con everything. So most people would say, well, of course, duh, Brian, you know, you want to be diversified. everybody knows that. And okay, maybe I'm pointing out some diversification you don't have uh, within your portfolio. But there's a lot of reasons not to be diversified. I know this one investor that has all of his money in three stocks, nothing else. Pretty much everything he owns is in three stocks. And you know, you might think, gosh, that guy needs to see a financial advisor. Well, that guy's me. I mean, my, <laughs> all of my money is in yeah. my companies: uh, Bauer Evans CPA, Madrona Financial Services, and mm-hmm. Madrona Insurance Services. They're my, my heart and soul. I've, I've invested my life into that, my, my assets. Everything I have is, is real. In those in my investment world, pretty much. I mean, I of course have a 401k and all that, but most everything I have is in that. I am non-diversified. Bill Gates is Mm non-diversified, and he's not apologizing to anybody for that and saying you should be diversified. He's like, What are you talking about? I knew my company was where I wanted to have my money. I've done pretty well, you know, as far as financially, maybe not personally lately, but Mm -hmm. financially he's done quite well. So there are reasons sometimes to not be diversified. I will say, however, most of the people that come to see us are at a point in their life, and I will reach that point when I'm no longer an owner, I'm not going to live forever, that I will want to have a more diversified portfolio. And the people in my life will wish I had a more diversified (laughs) portfolio, so I'm not taking so much risk. So yeah, there are reasons not to be diversified. Often people come in and they'll say, well, you know, 30% of my money is in Apple stock or whatever it is, and you're going to tell me to sell it. And everybody, every financial advisor I've met tells me to sell it and never have anything more than 5%. I say, I'm not going to utter those words. If you believe in what you have, keep a heavy dose in there. But let's look at the rest of your financial plan, and there might be stuff that you don't even have access to. Maybe you want to get out of your bond portfolio, and you want to add some real estate and some lifetime cash flow. Great, we'll we'll talk about that. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're good with what you have, and it's in four stocks. Fine. But you know, we'll have an honest discussion about that. and Not go with these general rules that everybody needs to be diversified, or as you know, some of these people who hate annuities. You should too. Everybody needs. In the stock market, 100 percent of the time, uh, no, they don't. Everybody needs safe money and cash flow for life. No, they don't. <laughs> Everybody doesn't need that either. So you know, you're you're a person. You're a person with wants and needs, and you know, different risk tolerance there is no rule for any one person as to what they need.
1: So Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, not particularly diversified, but boy, they sure do know what they're invested in. And I'll put Brian Evans in that category, too. <laughs>
2: well, thank you, Jeff. I, I'm not sure on a lifestyle <laughs> thing. I want to be in that category. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, certainly I, I believe I will put us in the category as we believe in the companies we created.
1: <laughs> How diversified should someone be? And what I mean by that is is, I mean, should you be diversified over 20 different products, 40, 30 different products, or is it usually just five or six different uh, sectors?
2: Yeah. So uh, I would say it's it's more broad than that. I We tend to use a lot of exchange traded funds because they can be traded intraday and, and they, you're not buying someone else's capital gains and they're easy to trade and you can get in and out uh, easily. But When you're buying exchange-traded funds, you're buying a broad swath of different stocks. So, for instance, let's say we overweight a sector. Let's say that sector is semiconductors. Well, we're not just going to go, you know, I know exactly which of all the semiconductor companies are going to be the best one. We don't do that because I don't know. But I might like the semiconductor area, so I'll buy the index of semiconductors and I'll have all of them. I'll have more of the bigger ones in the portfolio, but I'll essentially have all of them betting on a sector or subsector. So that's one way to invest without having to pick the stock because, you know, how many times it's easy after the fact to go, okay, that's the company that was going to survive and do well. But even if you look back, you know, you knew computers were going to be great in 2000 and you looked at all the stocks out there. And funny thing was, the winners weren't even an option. There was no Google to buy. There was no, you know, a lot of these, you know, Facebook or, or whatever. A lot of these companies didn't even exist back then. And you might have bought AT&T and, or, or that company that laid the, the line from across the Atlantic mm-hmm. that went away. I don't remember their name anymore. You know, you, you might have bought Egghead Software. I don't know. The things change. And so I prefer to have, when I'm working with someone's money, to have a broad swath of different areas that I like. And we can attain that through an exchange-traded fund.
1: Should your diversification choices change as the times do and people get older?
2: Yeah, absolutely, that's where we we do reviews with people because things change, so they might've come to me before they retired and they had some IRA rollovers, whatever, and, and they're still pretty aggressive, but they're going, you know, I'm getting to a point where you know, my wife and I were, were kind of nervous about what's going on in the world and, and we're worried about the future and we see the country borrowing a lot of money it can't repay and we see Social Security are gonna run out of money quicker than anybody said. and We see a lot of problems and, and we've had a great run and maybe we should take something off the table. I do. we like more to diversify into security and cash flow and away from growth and so i'm having that conversation a lot lately and that makes sense and and they like I'm fine if we don't have the growth we had, although we've done so good. But I want to take something off the table. So yeah, in answer to your question, those things can change, and that's why we offer updated financial plans for our clients. as As things change, they want to see something different. Maybe they had a life change, an inheritance, retirement, a sale of a of something, you know, whatever it is. But we'll we'll do the updated financial plans, and then talk about diversifying into other asset classes. We're
1: talking about diversification with Brian Evans of Medrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs on our show Growing Your Wealth. Brian, are insurance company products part of this uh, diversified portfolio that you're talking about? Not just equities, but insurance company products.
2: Absolutely, that's one of the biggest areas. I mean, Wall Street's great at potential growth and liquidity. Insurance companies can be good at security and cash flow. They do two different things. One isn't bad, and one good. They both have good. They both have not good. It just depends on what you want. The third major classification, I would say, is real estate. And the fourth might be your business. And so uh, we have, you know, again, we'll have Wall Street products for for certain reasons and and insurance annuity products for uh, lifetime cash flow and and secure investing and life insurance products for, oh, it could be for gifting to the next generation to get money out of your estate and avoid estate tax. It could be to establish uh, tax-free cash flow for your heirs while you're living. It could be to establish your own tax-free cash flow in your own retirement. So there's there's a lot, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if I said to you, I'm going to take money out of the market, well, what are you going to do with it? Well, I'm going to put you into something that will provide tax-free cash flow throughout your retirement. You're going, oh, that sounds pretty good. No matter what the tax rate is, I don't pay any tax on it and I get monthly checks uh, in my retirement. Yeah oh, okay, let's have that discussion. Let's see if it fits. So these are the discussions that we would have. And so, you know, yes, Jeff, there's there's so many different diversified areas and insurance products are one of those to consider.
1: Is it possible to have your eggs in too many baskets? What I mean by that is, is is it possible to just be way too diversified?
2: I would say yes, because let's say that I look at your portfolio and you say, yep, I diversified. I've got 10% in everything. I have 10% in cash, 10% in money markets, 10% in CDs, 10% in real estate, 10% in the stock market, 10% in annuities, 10% in life insurance, 10%, you know, whatever. I'm going, oh, that portfolio probably isn't performing very well because you just listed cash, CDs. Money market, oh, you know, there's 30% that's doing nothing. <laughs> Short-term bonds, there's 40. Now we're up to 40% to doing pretty much nothing. So yeah, you can be too diversified because just by putting money into everything kind of equally, that's why I mentioned on the pie chart approach, you know, maybe uh, we're heavier in growth stocks and that kind of thing, equities. And we have a little bit in some of these other areas, maybe a little bit of REITs or DSTs, a little bit of annuities, a little bit of life insurance, uh, but more in cer- certain areas. But you might be looking at your bond portfolio saying, you know, I've been kind of heavy in that. Maybe I should diversify out of that into something else going forward.
1: We're talking about diversification with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Once again, if you've got at least $500,000 to invest and you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, contact Madrona Financial to get your complimentary, no cost, no obligation financial plan. The number to call 844-MADRONA, or you can request it online by visiting madronafinancial.com. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show after this. If the fuel gauge in your car was broken, would you know how far you could drive before running out of gas? You know, not knowing how long your money will last in retirement is a lot like driving a car with a broken fuel gauge. You just don't know how far you can go. At Madrona Financial Services, we want you to know that there's no need to live with the stress of uncertainty. At Madrona Financial, we have insurance-based solutions that can guarantee lifetime income, protect you from market losses, and even provide for your loved ones. And as a CPA and personal financial specialist, we scrutinize every product we offer. If you want to learn how to create a secure lifetime income stream, protect your money from market losses, provide for your loved ones, and potentially reduce your tax burden, schedule your complimentary meeting today. Call 844-MADRONA or visit us at madronafinancial.com. We'll arrange a meeting at one of our three convenient locations or conduct a virtual meeting if that works better for you. Take control of your financial future Call 844 Madrona or visit us online at MadronaFinancial.com.
2: This is Brian Evans, founder of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPA, and host of the Growing Your Wealth radio show. If you're close to or in retirement and don't have a tax plan, get one. It could mean hundreds of thousands of dollars throughout your retirement. Our country has been spending like never before, and that tax bill is coming. At Madrona Financial Services, we help build tax strategies into retirement and investment plans designed for you to help keep more of your gains. Take action and call us at 844-MADRONA to schedule a retirement tax analysis today. That's 844-MADRONA. After World War II, taxes reached 90% and were as high as 70% in the 80s. Don't be caught off guard. You can retire right and on your terms. Call to schedule a virtual or in person review. Our number is 844 Madrona. That's 844 MADRONA. Or visit us online at MadronaFinancial.com. That's
0: MadronaFinancial.com. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services
2: and Bauer Evans CPAs. And in this segment, we're talking about the difference between the economy and the stock market.
1: And Brian, you know, many investors listen to the news. They hear about the struggles of people, especially post-COVID, and they're hesitant to invest, believing that their investments are going to lose. So it's important to differentiate, as you said, between the stock market and the economy. And that is one of those things that I think a lot of people get confused because they hear them both in the news, but they're actually two very... Different things. So, what's the main differentiation between the stock market and the economy?
2: Well, there's a lot of differentiations between the two. The economy, you know, is made up of so many broader aspects of our world. You know, it's small restaurants or it's all the millions of small businesses and and how people are living and so forth and most people frankly in the United States don't own any stock or very much stock at all so it's there it's a completely different really economy I should say outside in in just the the economy itself versus the stock market now the stock market is made up of investments in publicly traded companies and there is a significant overweight of investment in a small you know, a, a small batch of those companies think Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, Google, Intel, Netflix, Tesla, those kinds of companies. A significant amount of money is in those. So, as we look at how the economy did, you know, you might, if you own a restaurant uh, during COVID, you're going, Well, I didn't do very well at all. My best friend owns hotels. I didn't do very well at all. But had they been in the stock market, you know, like an SP 500, boy, all those companies I just mentioned did great. Uh, Amazon did great. Microsoft, Apple, great. Tesla, great. All these companies did great. So it's a completely different investment category, really, from what I would call the economy.
1: Brian, from the average investor standpoint, which of these, the stock market versus the economy, do you think is going to have more effect on someone's worth and their ability to, say, retire?
2: Yeah, there's another uh, interesting thing. Now, the stock market itself is what I always term a forward-looking indicator. So a lot of people are saying, well, why in the world is the stock market going up when business, small businesses are shutting down and all this stuff's going on? Well, that's because they've already priced that stuff in there. The stock market, when you buy a stock, you're not buying it because of how it's. you think that company's going to do this week or this month. You buy it because of what you think that company is going to be in five years, three years, ten years, whatever your, your term is. And so you're, you're looking for a forward thing. You, you know that on the short term, things are up and down. But long term, you're saying these companies are going to do much better. They're going to prosper. They're going to make a lot of profit. That's why you invest in stuff long term. Same thing with real estate. You don't invest because of whether your rent is good this month or not so good this month. You invest because of the future of rents or the future of real estate and valuations that you think is going to happen. So, investors are very forward looking. The economy is more what's happening today. Right.
1: So, as you said in the beginning of this segment here, most people are not invested in the stock market. That is, in general, I think most of the people listening to this particular program and certainly your clients have money in the stock market. If you're one of those people who does not have a lot of money, in the stock market is the economy really going to have that much of an effect as you said that's a, a look at what's happening right now will that have an effect on their ability to grow their wealth
2: yeah yeah it does because the you know the economy is is what's happening to you uh, really and so what's happening to you affects your ability to invest. Uh, Do you have to pull from investments to pay your rent or your mortgage or whatever? Or are you making enough to where you can invest long term and, and grow that? An interesting thing happens a lot of times is some of my clients that have been investing for a long time have done very well. And their accounts are way up. They're way higher than they can even spend. So even even if we think, okay, your account's going to grow at 4% a year. And just in our estimate, you know, we don't, it's not going to. It's going to be more or less than that. But, you know, for estimation purposes, let's say we, we're conservatively saying 4% a year. Well, once they get to be have $4 million, they're going, well, that's 160000 already. I don't even spend that much. And that doesn't count for my rental income and my investment return, you know, dividends or interest, my social security, my pension, whatever you have. And they're going, well, aren't I going to be okay? And saying, yeah, once you get to a certain level, the stock market itself, just the gains in it kind of takes care of everything, at least it has. Understanding the stock markets can be very volatile. We all know, all of us invested in stocks know there's been many times, whether it was COVID, 2008, eight, two thousand dot-com, nine eleven. there's a lot of times when the market doesn't really cooperate.
1: Brian, does the stock market and the economy grow in lockstep and uh, also fall in lockstep, or can they really have two very different
2: results? Yeah, they, they can be very different. I mean, often you would, there is correlation there. Generally correlation, meaning when the economy is good, the stock market's good. When the economy is bad, the stock market's not so good. So there's some correlation, but we do see times where, you know, when the, the recession, we had the recession from COVID and we had a, an increasing stock market because of the previous drop. So that, that was more predicated on the fear early COVID fear. And there was a huge sell-off, massive sell-off. The Dow dropped 10,000 points during that very short period of time. And so a lot of that gain was just kind of the rebound effect of that going, okay, things aren't, you know, the world's not going to come to an end now. So maybe I should get back in the market. You know, certainly a lot of people thought that. But I would say there is certainly correlation between the two, but there can be times when they're very different.
1: Brian, you know, with the media, oftentimes we're fed a lot of information and many times it's information meant to spark fear. And when people hear these reports about the stock market and the economy, sometimes they react to what is happening out there. Is it a bad idea to react to the news when it comes to your investing in terms of the stock market and the economy?
2: Oh, yeah. I've told a lot of my clients to uh, go over to your TV. Don't just turn it off. Unplug it <laughs> yeah. and throw it out the window because <laughs> yeah. it's driving you nuts and it doesn't need to. Because I, I've had multiple conversations, people just going crazy about, oh, my gosh, they're going to raise the taxes on my capital gains so high. You need to sell everything sell everything. now." Wait a second. Your taxable income is under 100 grand. None of those tax increases are going to affect you. Or they call me with with various opinions about what they need to do, as if they you know they have ten million dollars. You know, oh, I got to give off out of all my money. Well, your your estate's only worth two million dollars. No, you don't. You, you don't have a taxable estate. So sometimes you get kind of riled up by oh, they're going to kill us with taxes. Well, they're going to kill somebody with taxes. It, may, it might not be you though. So at least you know, ask the question, do the research to say. Okay, of the things that I'm worried about, do they really affect me? And another conversation I've had is about 99% of this world's uh, issues and problems, you really have no control over. And about 1% of your world, you, you do. And so when you're hearing some of the ninety nine percent, don't don't let your blood pressure go out of whack just you know, on something you you have no control over. You know, if they're gonna raise your tax rate a couple percent, okay, uh, that's bothersome and all that, but don't let it destroy your life or your like I said, your blood pressure. when there's really nothing you can do about it. All you can do is plan around that. So you can say, All right, I think my tax rate's too high. Maybe I should call Madrona Financial and find out about that tax free income FIUL, he talks about, or or do a DST and not pay the tax or whatever. There are things we can do, certainly. It's great, valid to bring these questions up, but don't react just because you were scared off by a news broadcast.
1: We're talking about the stock market versus the economy with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs here on our show today, Growing Your Wealth. Brian, how can listeners avoid reactionary investment decisions?
2: well turn off the tv and the internet yeah one of them that's one (laughs) uh but i you know i've had a lot of people just thank me for you know they they maybe did some investing on their own and such and they say well you know i started getting emotional and i made a whole bunch of mistakes i hired you you're kind of you're pretty even keel you're you're doing research you're not too high too low you know that you're you're making sound decisions for on my behalf and they really appreciate that 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 burden's been taken off and, and the emotion kind of gets taken out of the equation greatly because I'm you know I'm not emotional about you know dollars or just numbers so let's let's do our research and make the best decision we can with the information we have at the time and and that's what we do so and I understand when we feel really good about the market probably a time to sell when you, yeah. but we're not really trying to time things we're trying to make sure we have the right percentages in the market Long term, and the right percentages in real estate or annuities or, or whatever it is that we're in, whatever mix. And so that becomes more important than the actual overall planning than worrying about trying to time the market, which nobody has successfully done over time.
1: So Brian, I think the takeaway from the conversation here is that we've learned the difference between the stock market and the economy, but I think the bigger takeaway is that you don't have to understand it necessarily if you have a financial planner who does understand the difference and knows how to invest unemotionally. And of course that is you here at Madrona Financial. If you have at least five hundred thousand dollars or more to invest and you're looking for a financial advisor who understands these things, we invite you to get your no cost, no obligation financial plan with Madrona Financial. Call eight four. Or for, Madrona. for yours, that's 844-MADRONA. Or you can request it online at madronafinancial.com. Time for a break. We'll be right back with more
2: of Growing Your Wealth right after this. When you need something important done around the house, you call a professional. Why is it when it comes to retirement investments, most people don't know what theirs is built on, or even if it's right for them? Find a better way at Madrona Financial Services and bring everything together. Call Madrona Financial Services today for your free retirement readiness review at 844-MADRONA. That's 844-MADRONA or visit them online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com inflation frustration
1: you probably don't know what that means but if you bought a gallon of milk for a dollar fifty in 1975 and you just went to the store to pay more than double that today well i hate to break it to you but you're experiencing inflation frustration one of the most important things to plan for especially in retirement is inflation it can happen while you're not paying attention and seriously damage your buying power and longevity of funds if your investment strategy isn't dealing with inflation frustration then you're putting yourself at risk Yes. Madrona Financial Services designs retirement plans that take things like inflation, future health care expenses, and exposure to unnecessary risk into account when creating unique retirement plans. Call Madrona Financial Services right now for something that's not impacted by inflation a free financial review with no obligation. Call 844 Madrona, 844 Madrona, or visit them online at MadronaFinancial.com. That's
0: MadronaFinancial.com. You can't build a house with just one tool, and you can't plan for retirement without an integrated, comprehensive strategy. If you want to get more information on the Madrona bundle of services, call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA, or go to madronafinancial.com. Now, back to more of Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial
2: Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about President Biden's tax proposals. And Brian, we could be
1: experiencing right now historically low tax rates. I mean, never in at least my history that I can think of have tax rates been as favorable as they are right now for the individual. But... We've gotten a promise from the White House that that is going to be changing. So let's talk about that a little bit in this segment. Brian, President Biden has made a lot of promises, and among them is his promise to raise taxes. Can you tell me some of the main things that we can expect to happen?
2: Yeah, I mean, going back 40 years, we've been having somewhat favorable rates historically. uh, They were as high as 94% for the top bracket following World War II. They were 70% for a long time, 50% under Carter and then uh, when Reagan came along, they dropped down to 28 percent and they've been creeping up since then. So uh, kind of back and forth, but mostly creeping up from there. So the low point was about 40 years ago. And what's interesting is he he kind of did that on the supply side economics saying, you know, he leave more money in the hands of entrepreneurs. Our economy's going to take off and we'll collect more revenue. And guess what happened? Exactly that. So, for an actor, he was a pretty good economist. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think so, you know. And so, uh, and now we have economists getting up there and saying, uh, yeah, we're going to control inflation and keep it at 2%. I'm like, well, how's that going for you? So, (laughs) for an economist, maybe you should go into acting. I don't know, because that's kind of what you're doing by telling me you're going to control inflation when you don't really have that much control over that. But uh, just an aside. But, uh, yeah, so we've had 40 years of reasonable tax rates and a booming economy. And uh, it, it's kind of alarming sometimes when somebody comes along, hey, I've got a great idea. Let's take money out of entrepreneurs' pockets <laughs> mm. and put it into programs, government programs, and and see what happens. I'm like, well, okay, you're going to borrow a lot of money. You're going to put a lot of pressure uh, on the government to pay more interest and you're going to take away your ability to, to fix things later. And as uh, emergencies come up and all of that. So, you know, again, that's a personal aside. I'm not too excited about, about what's going on with that, but, uh, yeah, the tax proposals to pay for some of it and you can't pay for everything that's out there. Uh, even if you tax the rich at 105% of what they make, you know, that would not be enough to cover the spending that they're talking about uh, there's uh, you know, individuals only make uh, three to four trillion a year anyway and then you know that's that's how much they make you, you tax it all 100% it doesn't cover what they're talking about borrowing so um, I think we need more economists in the, in Washington <laughs> I suppose less politicians more economists um, but, you know, so the offset will be some tax increases, uh, primarily uh, a small increase to the top marginal rate for higher income, uh, definitely a significant corporate tax increase. And, you know, the, the rate isn't uh, absurd, really, the, but it is high relative to the rest of the world's corporate tax rates. And so I think that's from a, a, the standpoint of competition. Uh, a lot of companies moved when our rates were high they moved to ireland which had the lowest rate Mm -hmm. and so people you know people move uh companies move they move where they're domiciled uh based on rates so you raise the rates and and for instance if the Individual rate rises uh, and they're r- raising rates in Hawaii, California, Hawaii. Uh, these folks are going to be paying 50, 60% of their income. How long do you think they're going to stick around for that? Yeah, not long. <laughs> they're not. They'll move to Ireland too, I guess. I don't know, mm-hmm. or Belize or Bermuda. I don't know, Puerto Rico, something. But uh, yeah, so those are just a couple of taxes are, are increasing rates. And, and I think the most. A uh, scary one for a lot of people is to uh, make the capital gains, your long-term investment rate, even higher than ordinary income rates.
1: Yeah, right now, uh, just backing up a little bit, the top marginal income tax rate is 37%. Is, it Is is proposed to go up to 39.6%, but what sort of income would you have to earn in order to be subject to 39.6% in taxes?
2: Yeah, you know, probably anything over four hundred thousand, and so that's you know, I said that's not a you know draconian increase. That's less than ten percent of of what it was. But you look at the capital gains tax, the max, you know, you think, oh, it's fifteen percent, right? Well, no, your higher income earners, it's it can be twenty three point six, and now the proposal is to make that forty three and a half, roughly. Uh, which is an enormous increase because if you're thinking your capital gains are 15%, you go, oh, wait a second. So I sell something, you know, my one big asset, my one time in life, and it's going to pop me in a high bracket. And all of a sudden I'm paying 43.5% on that. Oh, wait, it was stock. And so Governor Inslee wants another 6% on time. I'm paying over 50%? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You you, you <laughs> brought wow. up, you were reading something saying your tax capital gains brackets 15 and with all the proposals going on, you know, we got, we got politicians and they, they need money. They got stuff they want to do with your money. And so now they're saying, no, when you sell your big asset, your, your, your business uh, that you built up for 40 years. and. And uh, now it's finally worth something. We want more than half, and you get less than half. So that's that's a big one from One of the big ones. Actually, there's other big ones in this proposal, too.
1: And President Biden has also proposed to change tax-inherited to unrealized capital gains, meaning a repeal of the step-up in basis rule. Have you heard anything about that?
2: An accounting nightmare. I mean, now we have to know how much people paid and what they put into everything, from day one when they were born and you know, or when they acquired assets and and now we can't pass on many assets to our, our kids because well, you can pass it along. but Who's gonna pay that massive tax? Uh, that 43 and a half or 50% tax. Well, if you got a 50% tax, guess what? You gotta sell the properties. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't pass the house down to your kids. You can't pass the farm down to your kids. You can't pass your businesses. You can't pass anything, so it's kind of the uh, there's a decision in Congress right now, and and uh, to say, all right, we're kind of done with generational transfer. We're into governmental transfer going forward. That's what this is. You take away the step up in basis, that was designed so you could pass assets down to heirs when you died and not to sell the assets. And now you got to sell the assets to pay the tax, and the tax is like I say, it could be up to fifty percent. And so it doesn't take too many generations before there's pretty much nothing left for the future generations so that's a that's a scary prospect uh you know this company was founded on generational transfer and entrepreneurialism and if we're going to tax tax away entrepreneurialism and generational transfer then you know i i, I get i get it you want you want the money, but, uh, that money stops producing once it goes in the government coffers. So it doesn't live on generationally. It, it stops and, and it's gone. And so I think a lot of people haven't really considered that when they're thinking about the elimination of step up and basis. Right
1: as the old saying goes, promises are made to be broken and that's particularly true when it comes to politicians. President Biden has promised to raise taxes. Do you think he's really going to get to do that especially with the possibility of a change in administration when his presidency is over with some people are saying this is a one term president.
2: Well, it's possible this stuff gets through just because everything's getting rammed through at supersonic speed without any, you know, they're they're passing things that people haven't even read, you know, it's three of, you know, thousand pages of bills that Come out that, uh, that, that actually they're voting on things they haven't even written yet, and so it's like, what? Come on, you know it's it's all about speed. They want to get everything in there on their wish list before there's a turnover, which I, I think there probably will be. Um, there's a couple of moderate Democrats that, that, and if they lose one one senator, this then they're going to go through. And so I I suspect the art of compromise might come into play, although. You know, it's that's. I sure wouldn't go to Vegas and put money down on that <laughs> that comment, <laughs> Jeff. That I, I'd want some odds on that one. But uh, gosh, I I guess I'm just uh, uh, hopeful. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be, but I'm hopeful that uh, that people will look at this and go, "Do we really need to pump uh, years worth of of debt increase again into the economy when people can't even find employees to hire?" Do we really need to inject a whole bunch more money so that, you know, inflation goes up and taxes go way up and, you know, transfers uh, are eliminated generationally. We become uh, many steps closer to a socialist environment. And do we really need to do that? I... I Uh, Well, you know where I stand on that. Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, even though President Biden has promised these tax increases, they may not all go through. If any of them go through, I think that there's a high probability that at least some will go through. But nevertheless, always a good idea to prepare for increasing taxes. Brian, out of time for this week for our show, once again, I want to remind listeners that if you are looking to hire a new financial advisor, you have at least $500,000 or more to invest, get your complimentary no-cost, no-obligation financial plan with Madrona Financial by calling 844-MADRONA or logging on to madronafinancial.com and requesting it from there. Thank you so much, Brian, for your time. I want to thank our listeners for joining us too. Have a great weekend. Join us again next week for another edition of Growing Your Wealth
0: Investment strategy, including asset allocation or diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes.